Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View Rap for Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined on the phone by Jeff Howie, market strategist from the SGX. Before we bring him into the conversation, we'll take a quick trot around uh, the region. The Straits Times Index is down by 0.1%. That's 3,292 points. Japan's Nikkei and South Korea's Kospi both down by 1.3%. Australia's ASX down by 2.3%. Hong Kong Sang Seng is down by 0.6%. Shanghai Composites Index is down by 0.8%. This seems like <laughs> a repeat of yesterday. The uh, the region is in the red. And the color of like the week has been more red than green. But there have been some bright sparks. And to talk more about that, Jeff Howie, into the conversation. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Is it bright spots you want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's got to be at least one. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I can think of one. Yeah. We launched our first spec yesterday, and the the second one is already running now. Yeah, that's right. So Pegasus Asia is the second one. That's listed this morning. It maintains a market value now of around $190 million, and it, of course, is a special purpose acquisition company. And it's, it's, it really uh, intends, I guess, to focus on businesses in the tech sector, disruptive technology, new economy sectors and so forth that have operations primarily positioned in APAC. Uh, but I guess um, yesterday, it's followed up very closely yesterday's VTAC Vertex Technology Acquisition Corp, which is also a special purpose acquisition company. It debuted. It maintains a pretty similar market value, a little bit higher, $200 million sing dollars. And that VTAC is aiming to also acquire or merge with these uh, value-creating businesses that are at a fast growth stage of their life cycle. So I think it, it's, it, the timing's great. Um, it complements Singapore's status, obviously, as a leading startup hub in Asia. Uh, because we are, of course, Clarissa, as you know, we're a home base for many new economy type companies, which uh, have also seen a pretty significant growth trajectory in recent years. I think also it was last year, the Global Innovation Index it ranked Singapore the most eighth innovative nation in the world. I think when you look at where a lot of this innovation is coming from, it is tech, World Intellectual Property Organization that does maintain that index. It also provides these global statistics on where we're seeing our patent publications, our patent publications. Uh, Over the close to 10,000 publications over the past 10 years, uh, you've seen um, quite a lot of focus on digital communication, computer tech, electrical machinery, med techs, audiovisual technology, and so forth. So I guess coupled with this maturing of our national startup platform, this critical mass of fast-growing um, companies, this is uh, this 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 SPACs or as we say the special purpose acquisition company uh, platform is providing a new fundraising route for these companies. Uh, I guess um, as they already uh, have this access to the global to to the capital, not just capital that has been sourced in Singapore, but across the region as well. Um, so at the 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 premise of this is that obviously the, these SPACs they're formed to raise capital first through the IPOs. And then um, that is obviously for the sole purpose of acquiring these type of operating businesses or assets in the future. That was actually really exciting to see, you know, our first pack. We're, we're a little bit behind. The U.S. has been doing this for a couple of years now, but it's never too late to get no, into the I, game. I, we, I mean, it, we had, there was, I think the uh, consult 
had record feedback, uh, certainly record feedback in the 11 years I've been in SGX. And there's been a very, very big focus on uh, individual investor education and making sure the individual investors are all aware of the risks and these uh, unique structures. So uh, I think a lot of the educational forums and presentations and content material is still ongoing. So I think uh, Lionel's done, I think, a good job at it. And Amelia, who who was on the program the other day, Mm -hmm. have put together a lot of the education resources. I think it's as easy as WWSGX. Uh, dot com slash spacs um, but anyway um, that was one part that was definitely a bright spot as you said but there were there were other bright spots I think um, for the SDI it's added three tenths of a percent for the week mm-hmm. it brings its year to date gain to around five and a half percent so interesting week because aside from China and Hong Kong APAC was mostly in the red and led by declines in India so what this means is across the major global benchmarks Singapore has had the third best start to the year after Brazil and Hong Kong, which uh, Hong Kong has caught up uh, just quite recently. But it was uh, what I think has made the week so interesting and a little bit long, if you will, is that the week really began squarely on the economic front with global inflation concerns. However, towards the end of the week, up to today, we've seen global growth concerns returning squarely back into the frame. You've had some mixed earning reports in the US, and last night we saw US weekly jobless claims return back to October highs on the back of these growing Omicron infections in the US. So what happened was over the week, that 2 to 10 US yield curve Uh, which has been shifting upwards and therefore supporting the banks, which in turn supports the STI, they were up as much as 10 basis points at the Wednesday highs. However, by this morning, those 10-year yields, they are back to around um, 1.77%. Up, down, right down from that 1.9% highs, so it's pretty. They're pretty much back to where they began the previous week at 1.78. So that decline in interest rates from those Wednesday highs has seen global banks trim some of those gains made in the preceding week. So what we've seen is DBS, OCBC, and UOB average a very marginal one-tenth of a percent gain over the week, while still maintaining very close to 10% gains since the end of last year. Now, that less momentum in the banks has meant that the STI has not been able to surpass that 3,300 level this week, despite making highs for each of the five sessions above 3,295. It's made high... Every 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 one of those five sessions this week above the 32.95 high. So, 3300 as as a level on the upside, psychological level uh, that is being watched, and another level beyond then is 33.11, and that was a high form back on the 1st of August 2019. So, that's that's what's been happening in the equity markets. But then the commodity markets has also been uh, there's also been quite a few moves, Clarissa. Um, Brent crude oil, it's been on the move. It made a high for the week uh, very um, early hours this morning. At around 12.30 this morning, it made its high for the week at $89.50 a barrel. And then if you look at early trading this morning, it was trading 4% lower than that at $85.70 a barrel. So it's since returned a little bit back towards an $87 level, but back to uh, towards a midpoint of that big range last night. 
But what's happened is our two oil and gas explorer and producer stocks that are listed on SGX and, and do rank among our top 50 most traded stocks by turnover, RH Petrogas and Rex International, that they are down around 3% and 2% during the morning session. That, and that's trimmed their year-to-date gains to 10% for RH Petrogas and 7% for Rex International. Now, that decline in oil prices in oil stocks, it wasn't so much about the growth outlook that had been factored into interest rates and equities just over the last um, 24 to 36 hours, but that's on the back of the decline in... um, uh, I guess not decline, but oil um, supply factors, the fact that there was an increase, a surprise climb in U.S. crude stockpiles, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration that re- regularly reports on, on U.S. crude stockpiles. So you had a surprise climb, and at the same time, the White House uh, National Economic Council director, I think his name is Brian Deese, uh, was reiterating that the Biden administration can also work to accelerate the release of strategic reserves, and that was in an interview with Bloomberg. So uh, a lot happening, I guess, across the fixed income, the equities, and the commodity markets. A lot happening, a lot more volatility, I thought, and I was about midweek musing if we would touch that 3,300 <laughs> psychological mark. Yeah, I, I know, right? It's, it's coming, uh, Jeff, it's coming. Well, I, 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 yeah, I, I can't say, I can't say, but it's, it, but it's interesting too because, as we say, that those three banks really do drive the STI. They account for more than forty percent of the STI's prices. So, what happens to the three banks really does determine what happens to the STI. But if you look beyond the STI and and look at companies that have been uh, recipient to net institutional inflows over the past five sessions through to the close yesterday, some of the non-STI stocks that saw the highest net inflows. They included um, interest, just a very interesting array of names, some tech names, some commodity names. Uh, you've, you've got uh, companies that are also undergoing strategic restructures. So SBH was, was among the top, Keppel Infrastructure Trust, Ascot Residence Trust, Fraser Logistic Commercial Trust, AM Holdings, Suntech REIT, Keppel REIT, Sheng Siong, Fortress Minerals. Uh, were, were among 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 some of those uh, stocks, um, but the stocks that saw the highest outflows included some of the tech names: UMS, Nanofilm, IFast, Franken, including Topglove, Digital Core, REIT, uh, Ascendus India Trust, Starhub, uh, and and so forth. So um, basically, you are seeing a little bit of uh, selectivity in, in into some of these non-STI names. Uh, there is a little bit of sector overlay because, as we know, tech stocks. They did uh, pretty strong last year. Semiconductor stocks were up around 40% for the year. And then uh, if you're looking uh, this year, just for the first three weeks, um, most uh, semiconductor stocks are down, have generated uh, single percentage losses um, for the year to date. So uh, a little bit of uh, sectorial uh, rearrangement. And then on the REIT front, it's been a little bit um, tough for global REITs because that rise in the 10-year yields, which has gone from 1.5% to close to 1.8%, um, that 30 basis point rise has really compressed that premium that REITs have in their yields over the 10-year yields. And it's seen globally REITs decline around 8% just for the first three weeks of the year. But a little, as we know, what we have here in our REIT market is a very much globally diversified REIT platform. So you have a number of factors driving uh, REITs, not just on the interest rate front, obviously. So our most defensive S REITs over the past three weeks have included Keppel REIT, Suntech REIT, Ascot Residence Trust, CDL Hospitality Trust, 
uh, Sabana Industrial REIT and Elite Commercial REIT. Now, Elite Commercial REIT, it's a UK-focused uh, REIT. It has 99% of its properties leased to the UK government. And remember this week we saw that the Omicron variant has continued to see signs of easing in the UK. So the UK government is looking at easing some containment measures. I think the seven-day rolling average of new cases in the UK, it peaked at 180,000 cases on the day of 6 of January when you're looking at the seven-day rolling average. And it has since returned to half that level at 90,000 cases. But meanwhile, globally, the Omicron uh, new cases per day, it does continue to edge higher. I think back on, uh, on Wednesday, uh, yeah, it was Wednesday, our, uh, we made a new record, 3 million cases for the globe on that day when you're looking at the seven-day rolling average. But uh, thankfully, the confirmed fatalities, that has not spiked up. That remains around those average uh, fourth quarter of 2021 levels at around 7,500. Seven fertilities back on Wednesday. Um, for Sabana Industrial REIT, that also has reported. It's the first of the REITs to report its its uh, its, its uh, financial results that ended in December. Remember, SPH REIT did kick off the financial reporting season back on the 7th of Jan, but it's that was for its first quarter that ended in November. So Sabana Industrial Trust is the first REIT off the block to report its, uh, its numbers ending through to the 31st of December. Its gross revenue was reported to increase by 14% year-on-year, and that was mainly due to higher contributions from three of its uh, properties here in Singapore, including the New Tech Park um, and higher occupancy rates. So overall occupancy rate as of the end of last year, I think was 85% for the trust, which was up from 77% at the end of uh, the year before, at the end of 2020, and the highest since 2018. So big kind of uh, week for REITs as well, but even a bigger REIT, a bigger week next week, Clarissa, because it's a huge week for REIT earnings um, starting with Monday next week. Well, you see, I told you we could find some bright sparks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. So, so after the Monday close, you have Keppel DC REIT and Parkway Life REIT reporting. After the Tuesday close, it's Maple Tree Industrial Trust, Keppel REIT, Ara Logos Logistics Trust, and Star Hill Global REIT. Um, and then Fraser Centre Point will also provide a business update uh, on Tuesday after the close. Then Wednesday, you have SunTech REIT before the open and Ascendus India Trust and Keppel Pacific Oak US REIT after the close. And then Maple Tree Commercial Trust will also provide its third quarter business update. And Keppel Infrastructure Trust, I should mention, also reports on Wednesday. Then Thursday, Ames APAC REIT reports before the open and Keppel Court will report after the close. And then you've also got Fraser Hospitality Trust and Maple Tree North Asia Commercial Trust providing business updates after the close. And then finally, Friday, uh, CDL Hospitality Trust, Ascot Resident Trust, Capital Land Integrated Trust report before the open. And then you have Maple Tree Logistics Trust after the close. And I think uh, the non-REIT, the corporate micro-mechanics, is also scheduled to report on Friday. So... That will be uh, you know, a pretty big week for earnings, but we've also got a couple of key numbers in Singapore, and we've also got the FOMC meeting next week as well. The FOMC, I think, will take a lot of attention. The announcement is due at 3 a.m. Thursday morning Singapore time. It is widely expected that there won't be a rate hike on this meeting, but there will be, uh, a, I guess, in the in the... For the good of market transparency, as the Fed chair has uh, really relayed over the um, over the last couple of years, the Fed will provide as much possible 
as much information as possible on the immediate course for interest rate hikes. Um, so QE tapering, it's expected to be completed in March, but for rates, we're also not expecting, as we said, a rate hike this meeting. Um, the current pricing of CME futures contracts suggests there's only a 6% expectation of a 25 basis point interest rate hike on 26 Jan, the next FOMC, which is, as I said, 27 Jan early hours for Singapore. Um, but that jumps to 88 88% expectations for a 25 basis point hike on the 16th of March. Now, based on that global growth concerns that we saw at the back end of this week um, that I mentioned before, that expectation for a rate hike at the 16th of March FOMC, it has declined, albeit very marginally. So it's declined from 91% down to 88%. But for the full year ahead, I think expectations are the most for four rate hikes, uh, which would take it the FOMC target rate to a 100 to 125 basis point range. Um, that's that's a, so that's that's a, that's a really uh, key issue. Uh, I guess for the for the for the interest rate investors and of course by extension the equity markets. So we'll be watching uh, closely uh, for the Fed, but also here in Singapore we've got our CPI released in Singapore on um, on Monday at 1 p.m. and then Wednesday we'll have the industrial production released at at, at 1 p.m. as well. Um, December CPI it is expected to come in marginally lower than the 3.8% year on year recorded in November. Um, but the core measure, I think, is, is expected to see some marginal acceleration to 1.8% growth year-on-year year in December compared to 1.6% year-on-year gain that we saw in November. And CPIs, they are being watched around the world. We had uh, This week, we had the UK inflation rate coming in at a 30-year high at 4.8% for December. And uh, the next uh, CPI print for the US, which covers the month of January, will be watched mostly, and that's uh, on the 10th of Feb. And then we had the inflation print for Japan as well, but that was pretty mild as expected. You know what you've just done, Jeff? (laughs) (laughs) You have basically... taken over again? No, 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 no. You can take over any time. But you have basically outlined everything that we're going to be talking about on Monday when we open Market View for the week and... And again, at the close, when we wrap the end of the week but, but, next but it's week. Okay. It's okay. Like I said, the, 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 the Singapore stock market right at this time, I don't think has, has never been as interesting as it is right now. You have so many factors, so many macro demand and supply factors, and at the same time, so many micro factors with uh, companies that are looking to strategically uh, restructure or, uh, or engage initiatives that mean when we do see more normalization, we all attempt to recover bigger and better. Well, I've certainly found uh, the, the greater volatility, not just here, but around the world, rather intriguing and interesting and gives me more to talk about. Absolutely. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll be, yeah, a lot of fresh things to talk about on Monday, Clarissa. Absolutely. I look forward to it, Jeff. This has been Market View Wrap on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero. He is Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Uh, You stay on Money FM 89.3, Singapore's most influential radio station. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.